Welcome to Tech Junior. Hey everybody. Uh, we've got a interesting show for you today. We actually got a hold of Mike Torres, who is a recruiter for Modus here in Orlando. And uh, we just grilled him with a bunch of recruiter questions and really dug into if it's even worth talking to a recruiter as a junior developer. If you want to support the show, there's a couple things you could do. First, go to our site at techjr.dev and click subscribe. Uh, we send out an email once a week with our latest episode and some other goodies. Second, tell your friends about the show, tweet about us, uh, leave us a review, and just do anything you can to spread the word. Uh, anything that you can do is greatly appreciated. That being said, let's get on with it. Welcome to Tech Junior. My name is Lee Warwick Jr. I'm a full stack JavaScript developer, and I have with me as always Eddie. Hey, it's Eddie. How's it going? <laughs> Eddie's also a developer and he was a designer. And today we have a special <laughs> guest. We've got uh, Mike Torres. If uh, you can introduce yourself, Mike. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Um, I am currently an executive recruiter over at Modus IT. And previously before that, I was a senior project manager with Harris Corporation. Awesome. So we have wanted to get a recruiter on the show for a while. Um, just because it's like this hot button thing of you mentioned recruitment in a room full of developers and like chairs start to fly, um, feelings get hurt. Um, you know, people start telling more stories and stuff. And so, uh, I'm, I'm really glad to have Mike on the show so we can just kind of hammer him with all of these, uh, recruitment questions, uh, for anybody that's unfamiliar out there. Um, we actually tried to get him on for uh, a little bit before this. Um, and he, he had some, some life things come up. And in the back of my mind, I was like, this damn recruiter. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't resist. So I've, I, we've got our own biases about it. But um, just in general, uh, maybe if you could tell us um, briefly how you got into recruiting. So, um, you know, graduated UCF a long time ago uh, in a far, far away land. Um, actually my strong point, uh, I graduated with, um, mathematics degree and I was also very good at, uh, speaking. Um, my friends actually pushed me towards more down to sales route. Um, originally my brother, uh, went to MIT. He was trying to push me down the software engineering route and me being the, uh, brat that I was a while ago, um, basically told him I didn't, you know, I didn't want to follow in his footsteps, um, had the opportunities, had the opportunity for him to mentor me, but um, went, you know, took my first job recruiting, and uh, it was it was very natural. Um, I think it was very organic, and I think from there, uh, just you know, met with my first job with uh, Maximum Healthcare Services a long time ago. I've uh, got my foot in the door, and then uh, ever since then, I've been uh, on the recruiting slash uh, project management side of uh, any job I've taken at this point. Cool. Um, so before we get into like how recruitment works, I'll just kind of share my own experience with them. Um, in general, uh, I took a coding bootcamp. Um, my teacher passed along a recruiter that he was talking to, to me. He was like, Hey man, you're pretty good in class. Get in touch with, with this recruiter. And I called him up and they were like, cool. What experience do you have? How much money do you want to make? And I kind of waffled a little bit and they're like, okay, whatever, just send me your resume. And I shot it off to him and, and never heard from him again. And then after that, I went to uh, OTAB, which is Orlando Tech and Beer. Uh, it's this big event 
um, in downtown Orlando where a bunch of developers and recruiters and just everybody in the industry shows up. And so towards the end of the boot camp, went out there, got like 10 business cards from recruiters, talked to all of them, handed out my own business cards, followed up, sent emails, sent my resume out, never heard from anybody. <laughs> so <laughs> beyond that, uh, totally gave up on even talking to recruiters at that point and kind of got my job um, on my own after that. Uh, wh- what about you, Eddie? Uh, pretty much the same deal. Like um, I have had a recruiter from uh, the tutor that I worked with um, during my boot camp sent me someone. I took the test, um, did it, all the stuff that they asked me to do. Um, everything seemed to go well, and then uh, they're like, "Okay, well, when I have something, I'll reach out." And then they just never reach out. <laughs> yeah one one person said, uh, "Cool, we'll add your resume to the system." Basically, I was like, yeah, that's kind of same thing. <laughs> that's kind of nebulous. What does that even mean? <laughs> So, um, and, Mike, if you can just tell us, like, how how does the recruitment process even work? Like, what do you do day to day? So day to day, and it's funny that you bring a lot of this up. You know, it's it's unfortunate. I don't work like that. I never have. Um, I always give feedback, regardless if it's positive or negative, uh, just because that's just how I've been my entire career. And pretty much that's, you know, that's the kind of the type of person I've been. Um, regardless if it's going to be negative feedback, at least you can get some type of feedback. But from a day to day, um, usually I'm sourcing in the morning. Um, you never want to make phone calls in the morning too early just because a lot of people, you know, you'll get their voicemail or they're already going to be working. Uh, normally if we're going to make any phone calls to anybody, it's going to be targeted between probably around 11 and one, 11 and two in that area. Try to get you guys on lunch. Um, but you know, you brought up a good point before and, you, know, you guys come, you know, came out of coding boot camps, and you know, doing if, and I can guarantee everybody um, that's in Slack, that's you know, that's in the Orlando deve- development um, uh, area, is they know, you know, boot camps, you know, teach you the uh, the basic minimum, and they get you prepared for jobs. And there is a huge discrepancy between, I think, what recruiters know about boot camps and what uh, recruiters do for boot campers. So unlike most recruiters, I'm, you know, and I've studied for development for quite a bit now. So I know what boot campers can actually do for me. It's, I actually have a coding test for, I don't really do the slash, um, you're at a boot camp and you're only three months. You only have three months experience. Uh, because in reality, I don't really care for a bachelor's degree. I don't really care for this, the experience. I care for the skill set because if you can do the job, I can place you. Um, even, even if it's contract, you know, contract to perm contract, um, you know, there are a lot of companies in Orlando that I talk to every day that are in, they're hurting for developers big time. And, you know, we can get more into, you know, negotiating and things like that, uh, more in a senior route, but really I want to concentrate on a junior route just because I know basically out of, um, a boot camp, out of college, out of anything, it's very hard to find a job because, Basically, you have your portfolio, and that's really have what you have to go off of. And same thing with the boot camp. So, um, tips and tricks. You know, um, Lee, I'll let you cut uh, cut me off now. Um, hit me with the question, <laughs> but I do have tips and tricks. I don't want to, you know, take up all the time. No, go ahead. So, just uh, just in general, like how, like, let's say I meet you out. You know, you're standing on a street corner. You have a badge on your jacket that says, "Hey, I'm a recruiter. Talk to me." I come up to you and I'm like, Hey, I'm Lee. I'm a developer. You know, I have zero experience, but I have a portfolio. 
here's my business card that has my website on there. What happens from there? So basically, if I it's it's depending on the company. If I get if if I see the skill set, if let's say for example you have JavaScript React and you have Node.js, which is very hot right now, um, and you and I can actually shoot you a coding uh, challenge, and you can pass that coding challenge, I can put you to a job. But I'm going to be very honest. Most recruiting companies, where our job is really to place seniors. Um, what I would suggest for any juniors and anybody that listened to Lee and Eddie's podcast needs to listen to this. My best advice for any junior coming out of any, any boot camp, a self-taught uh, college doesn't matter. Make sure, and I, this is the first thing, I would attack everybody on LinkedIn, but don't just send connects because that does nothing. Um, don't, I wouldn't, in reality, Lee, Eddie, I wouldn't even go to a recruiter. I would actually go to directly to the team. Um, I would literally research the companies. I would literally reach out to every single part of their team. And what I have instructed a lot of the uh, students I've mentored, uh, actually buy a LinkedIn recruiter account for a few months and in-mail everybody at will that a company that you want to work for. For example, when I went to the ODEVs up at Full Sail, we saw Zia. Uh, with um, I think Maddie Fees, we saw uh, Jacques Fu over there. We had you know we had um, three companies there. You know, it's good to meet those people in person, but you know unfortunately it's not going to be a lasting impression um, unless they're going to be having a hiring event. So it's great to get them in person, but you really have to attack them where it hurts. And there's little tricks to this too. So if they're an enterprise company, usually their email and this is what I taught when I was working at UCF for a little bit. Um, we ran a counter recruiting strategy against companies. Basically, it's going to be first name, period, last name at company.com, or it's going to be first letter, last name at company.com. And that's actually how you get them. You can hit them by LinkedIn connects, you can hit them by LinkedIn emails, and you can hit them by email. So you get them, you know, if you do show them the trifecta that you're interested, you're going to get something back. So you're saying to just kind of cold email some yeah, of these people? Yeah, I was going to ask that too. It's yeah, it's hard because what's going to happen is a lot of the let's say for example I am a hiring manager at let's say wait, 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 even better example I was I was a project project manager at Harris so the people that usually sent emails directly to me that I did not give my information out first off to me they're showing me that they know how to get to me which is very impressive so I will take a look at their resume and some of them are very good uh, for me the resume has to get in front of somebody. And if it doesn't, then you're going to have an issue finding a job. Um, I think the most difficult part is that, um, you know, a lot of uh, juniors going out there, just go on indeed.com, go to the, you know, the job uh, boards. And in reality, you're just going to throw your resume into something that's, that's probably not going to come back. Um, if you're a junior, you have to somehow find them at a meetup. You have to find these people in real time or, you have to email them like crazy or email them like crazy to just to, and it sounds like a recruiter. It's just like what we do. We just bother, you know, software developers until they take a job. It's <laughs> it's the same exact thing. You guys have to bother the you know recruiting teams for these uh, or the managers for these companies, and it works vice versa. Gotcha. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you, and I think you've kind of covered it, but is it even worth talking to recruiters as a junior developer? Like, if you have no experience you know, it would seem to me that a recruiter would be uninterested in you because 
a company's not going to go hire somebody to go find them somebody with zero experience, right? There are some um, recruiting companies, not not mine. I know we don't. We are more focused on the senior level, but there are recruiting companies. If I'm not mistaken, if I think it's Tech Systems, they will take chances on junior recruiters um, or junior uh, so, uh, software developers, and they will put them into a contract situation first, and then basically prove themselves to go contract to full. Uh, I know for a fact, just for the fact that one of my buddies, Jimmy, that works at Disney, he actually does a lot of the, uh, when I think Tech Systems goes out downtown, uh, he does a sponsorship with them and they take a lot of junior devs and they actually work with them right out of school, right out of boot camps, things like that. So I know that's one of the companies that does work with and really shouldn't be saying this because my company might yell at me, but for the community, um, I want to make sure that, you know, the uh, juniors are going to the right places. So is that like a contract to hire kind of situation? Correct. Or in some in some cases, there are some times where some companies will say, hey, we're looking for an actual junior recruiter and or junior uh, software developer, and they will hire full time immediately. The only thing is uh, you have to get ready for a whiteboard or you have to be able to explain most of the time in there. Um, a lot of the companies that I've seen that do that. Um it's not really the whiteboard. It's more of the paired programming that um, they want to see how your thought process is to see if they can actually teach you their way. And it, it, I, I personally like paired programming. Uh, whiteboard, I feel you can memorize the questions uh, just because oh, there's memorization. But uh, paired programming, I, what I've learned from just from uh, practicing with my mentor, I feel like you actually get to show what the mindset really is, what you're thinking, what you're trying to solve, how you're trying to solve the problem. And to me, that goes a long way. And I know a lot of the companies that Tech Systems actually works with does that. Um, do you have any advice for like a, a junior that would be preparing for something like this? Absolutely. Um, usually anyone that's going to go into a, a technical screen or a technical review, the first thing that most companies will do, well, they'll check out your, you know, your GitHub just to make sure that you're active. Um, your GitHub is your best friend uh, coming out just because... We want to see that you actually care and you're doing side projects because, you know, if you come into a job and then all of a sudden, you know, you're not really doing side projects, you don't really, you know, love what you're doing or you don't really love software. You know, the, the people that we used to hire out of uh, out of college for Harris, we had to see the passion. The passion had to be there and you can you can't fake that. That's one of the things that I, you know, from what I've seen, there is a significant difference when you see a person that wants to be there and a person that really is just going there because they want to get higher pay. So in reality, most companies want somebody that's passionate, wants to grow with the company than actually, um, you know, taking for somebody for that wants more pay. And the reason why companies don't like that is the fact that usually if you're going to take high pay, um, and that's what you're fighting for, you're probably not going to be with that company for too much longer. So that's what I would um, prepare as a junior uh, money-wise. But for a technical screen, I would prepare for being able to speak to RESTful APIs if you're on the front end. Um, basically, a lot of the questions that, and it's really funny because a few of my larger enterprise clients, they still use it, um, reverse a string. And any language you want, JavaScript, and you can't use the helpers, which I couldn't believe that's still an actual question because that's probably one of the easiest questions to do. Um, another question would be more on 
there's an array 0, 1, negative 1, 3, 4, negative 4, 5, 7. Make, uh, create a function that returns all the integers that will equal 0. That's another um, technical question that I've seen, not just at uh, the, the few companies that I've seen, but out in Orlando area a lot. Um, just, be, just to understand that you can create a function and you know how to work with arrays. Just um, return anything that equals zero? Correct. So if you have a negative four and a positive four, you have to basically loop through the array to make sure, because what happens is if you don't know how to use the re anything with the regex or anything like that, you'll only, you'll only return four and four, but you won't, you won't get the actual zero or the actual correct number because one of them is not being identified as a negative integer. Okay. But it's one of those questions and I wish I could actually just write it down because, you know, my, like I said, software developing for about eight months, maybe I'm not saying it correctly, but um, that's one of the major questions at, um, I know for a fact for NBC Universal, anything with those type of questions, just be prepared for those. Anybody that's going to be interviewing over there. Interesting. Right. Um, what about uh, like resumes and LinkedIn and, and that sort of thing? So it's, it's one thing to kind of like email the, uh, email the company and do your you know research and your practice for like the interview or the technical screening and stuff. But what about your actual like materials that you're presenting? So you mentioned GitHub, but what about the rest? The resume to me is probably one of the mo most important documents in your life that you will ever have. It should be a breathing embodiment of you just because that is basically how you're going to get hired to jobs. That's how I feel about a resume. So, you know, when people send me cruddy resumes that I know for a fact they haven't tried on, it kind of show, you know, for me, it's just like, is this the type of work he's going to do? Is this, you know, when I look at a resume <laughs> and it, it, it's in reality, you know, not many people think that, but you know, it, if you were to, if you were to actually sit in my office, we actually kind of joke around when we see really crappy resumes and we look at each other and it's like, this guy does not want to get a job. So, you know, my first thing is, um, if you and you know a lot of people have a little different opinions I, i'm also a cprw i'm a certified professional resume writer so for me i take this portion pretty serious um a lot of people always say you know put the your school up top uh put your degree up top that's great and all um the only reason why as a junior i'd put it up there would only be if you have a something in uh computer science or mathematics or something like that that actually has to do with uh, the technical job that you're going to be going for. If it's like something, if it's something else, put it at the bottom of the resume, save your space for the most important parts, because you have to think of it this way. They may not get to the bottom of the resume. If your information is not intriguing at the top and they don't see what they like, you only get a few seconds to look at. So you better have the skill sets, all your skills right at the top. The reason why you're interested in that company, why the, that position, what your passion is, and lead into your skill set and also lead into some of the projects that you might have done and make the project sound fun. You know, if, for example, I'm working on a Tetris app right now and I built it from scratch. And for me, I wanted to make sure it wasn't just a normal Tetris app. For me, I made a Game Boy because I'm, you know, I'm old. And that was like one of the first handheld things I ever got. And I really wanted to create a fun project out of that. And I can speak to my project. So when people can speak to their project, you can tell that they truly enjoy what they're doing. So that would be the first thing with the resume. Make sure it is very organized. 
to the point where the right infor or the correct information is being seen first. How many uh, resumes do you get in a month for like, let's say you have one posting, you put it out like a week later, how many resumes are you sifting through? Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. We have to get the shovel out sometimes. (laughs) But no, uh, it's it's depending, and actually, it's also language um, imperative. Um, for example, if it's something like uh, PHP, uh, if it's like uh, PHP specific, um, I will have 150 resumes by the end of the week. If it's JavaScript specific, probably around the same. If it's C sharp, maybe around 40. Uh, Java, maybe around 25. It's really depending on the language. And many people say language doesn't, you know, language doesn't matter in the market of where you're going to be. It does. Um, for example, C sharp developers down here, they make uh, a pretty good killing because they're high in need down here. Um, PHP developers, they could, in reality, should be making more, uh, but just because the market is overflowing with them. And um, I've had a good, a few good conversations with a lot of PHP, really good PHP developers. Um, when they tell me what they're making, I sit there I'm like, you should be making, I think I had the conversation in the Slack today. It's just some, uh, some people don't know what their own worth is. And, um, you know, they tell me and I'm like, you should be at the, this is your market value right now. This is what you should be making. So I try to give the advice where I can, but you know, language, language specificity does come into play. What about, uh, Python? He'd be shocked. Python's not used down here too much. Uh, it's v- it's very limited to, and I I have no idea why. Um, and I think right now in the office I have one job for a software engineering manager for Python, and that is it. Uh, most of the stuff that I get is um, no C plus plus C plus plus bad. Um, <laughs> C sharp .net <laughs> Java PHP. Um, Basically, React, Angular for a framework, Spring on Java, um, some Magento on P- with PHP, uh, Laravel, but uh, Python. It's I don't get a lot of jobs, and to, you know, to tell you the truth, if you go out west, that's all they look for, which is kind of interesting because Python has a lot of great case uses. Yeah, exactly. I know that's uh, it's actually really popular in the community. Like you, you can't throw, you know, a rock without hitting somebody that's yeah. like, man, I love Python. So, <laughs> but at the same time, I don't think I've ever seen a job that's like, Hey, we want a Python dev. Yeah, I think, no, I'm sorry. Right. I was, I just want to point out that this is like area specific because like, wherever you're at and listening to this, um, just look at your job boards or whatever. But I, I wanted to go back to the resumes really quick. Um, if someone's making a resume, um, like what do you, what, what can they do to stand out a little bit? Cause like I put a little color into it or like, cause I've gotten resumes where I work now and someone will put like every single language they ever even like looked at, um, on it. And, and it just, it's a ton. It's really hard to read sometimes. And uh, just do you have any advice as far as that goes? Yes. Um, For that, and I I hate those resumes just because (laughs) – and and you just probably brought up one of the best points to not do or what not to do on a resume. Uh, In reality, when you're putting up the skill sets, um, make sure – and this is how you beat um, ATS systems. Basically, an ATS system – 
Yeah, I was going to say, please explain what that is. An ATS system is is an applicant tracking system. And what it does is when you're applying to specific jobs, there are specific keywords that that system looks for that if it doesn't score higher than a 70, usually a 70 to 75%, it'll actually junk mail it immediately Mm. in our system. So my advice to do is when you are applying to a job, literally verbatim, take all the bullet points off of like an Indeed or a career builder and put them right on your resume. Hey, if you need React, okay, React's right at the top of the page. Um, you need Angular, Angular top of the page. It needs to see the words and make sure the spelling errors are not there. But yeah, you brought, you bring up a good point. You want to make sure that everything is readable and um, at the top. For example, if I, so my resume, so I put my name, my address and the first things that I should see and make sure it's a PDF and not a Microsoft Word document, always a PDF because they're much easier for us to open up. And what you want to do is make a lot of clickable links. And for what I mean by that is your GitHub should be at the top. I want to be able to just think about it this way. Think about recruiters being fat, lazy, uh, Snorlax (laughs) from uh, Pokemon. Think I, of I a, was going to say vampire, <laughs> but go on. <laughs> think of it as a, as one of the, think of us as very lazy people that we don't want to do too much digging. We like click, we like click events. We like clicking stuff. So at the top, we want to make sure when we're opening the PDF that we can click to your LinkedIn and see who you are. We can click to your GitHub and see what you've done. Even though I think it's hysterical when recruiters try to look at GitHub, at GitHub and they're like, I look at most of the recruiters that I work with and they're like, uh, I'm like, yeah, you guys don't worry about that. You guys have no idea what that even means anyway. Yeah. That's all they look at. They're just like, yeah, it's, it's green. I'm like, <sighs> I just kind of shake my head. I'm like, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's what recruiters. Are. I mean, I don't blame them just for the fact that that's all they know. And, you know, for me, I actually like looking, I like playing the games. I like uh, looking at the projects personally, um, just because for me, it's just, I can actually talk to their work. But going back to the resume, I don't want to get off track. Um, I want to be able to have a clickable GitHub, clickable LinkedIn. Also, I want to make sure even uh, your portfolio, your landing page should be at the top, clickable. I want to make, and make sure your landing page, you want to stand out from the rest, make sure your landing page is beautiful. Make sure it actually speaks to the reason why we should hire you. I've seen some really lazy landing pages that it's like, oh, like the resume is good. I look at your <laughs> landing page and I'm going to hire you off of this work. I, I you know, so um, Eddie, just to jump on your point, that landing page can be very big um, just because that's your moment to shine, to show off who you are. And then going down each what. It, so this, let me uh, go with Lee's. Um, Lee, you came from a boot camp, correct? Yes. And Eddie, yeah. you, you, right, excellent. So what I would do for each job, I would do a lead-in paragraph and then languages used in the, um, the application and then a click link directly to that specific part of the GitHub. And then on that paragraph, you want to speak to, hey, like the reason why I loved creating this because – we like everybody likes a good story. It's just as simple as that. We all love good stories. The more passion and nerdy it is, the better for in our eyes as a recruiter. We love that because when it comes to push to shove, you know, we joke about it in the office where it's more 
Oh, did you hear what this guy said? It's nerdy, but I want to hire this guy. Like it makes us, <laughs> it makes us want to hire you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so maybe going back to the resumes for just like one more question out of like the pile of, let's say you have a JavaScript job. So you get literally an avalanche of resumes coming in. Uh, how many of those are actually qualified? Oh, um, the honest truth, maybe about 20, 25% at most. So how do you like, aside from like, once it comes back from ATS and you've got the filtered list, uh, just looking at the resume, like what's the vetting process or what gets you to give them or you to take the time to give them a phone call or give them a coding challenge? How do they like, what are you looking for on there aside from passion? Usually, if anything, as if they list something like, uh, let's say they list something like React, JavaScript, Node on the back end, and that's, you know, let's say in their opening paragraph, they want to be a Node, you know, JS engineer or something like that, something that's hot. Uh, and I'll just throw this out there right now. Node.js down here in Orlando is booming. I literally have, I don't know how many jobs, I'm not going to get into that, but yeah, booming. Um, that will get me to call you pretty fast, uh, regardless of how much experience you have. If you have any Node.js, you're getting a call from me. Um, just bec- and just because it's something that's being highly used right now, also, we can't, you know, and this is the one thing that I wish more recruiters did. Uh, I do it just because I, it's common. I've just done it for the last 13, you know, 13 and a half, 14 years now, where it's just common practice. I want to see if they can speak to their projects. Uh, for me, I want to give them that chance. And normally you can tell they know what they're talking about, uh, talking about on how they used it. And there are some, you know, disqualifying uh, answers that I'll ask them. Usually I have to pull teeth. And if I have to pull teeth, you know, on something on your resume and something on your project that you said you were really passionate about and you have the correct information, you have React, you have uh, Express, you have... Um, no, you have everything on your resume listed, but you can't talk. You have to be a good communicator with your team, on a, especially on a production team. So, you know, as long as I can get you on the phone and communicate with you and you can get by some junior level stuff, I'll, I'll, here's the thing. Recruiters have nothing to lose by putting you in front of a hiring manager. We don't lose reputation because we have to, every time we submit somebody, we have to give a submission report on why we're submitting. And I've submitted people... There are a lot of people on uh, ODEVs that have come to me, hey, Mike, you know, I only have one year. I'm like, I don't care. Let's talk. You know, and I had the conversation and one of them, one of them I put to work. I mean, it's for me, it's more, Ken, do you have the confidence to do the job? And this is why I, you know, for me, I always hear like, you need a degree, you need a bachelor's degree, you need a computer science degree. No, you don't. Um, you need to learn how to learn. And to me, that has been the voice from, high level um hiring managers at you know Dip, lockheed martin harris corp um uh nbc universe a lot of the companies that i do work with um as long as you can learn or learn how to learn you will get hired it, just because you know you may have a basic skill set but if you don't know how to use it and you don't have the communication skills how can you work effective efficiently on a production team and down the road you're going to be a team lead if you can't communicate how are people going to listen to you yeah, you you're absolutely right. There's uh the days of sitting in a corner by yourself writing the whole application are long gone. <clears throat> but um going back to Node, like I'm I'm intrigued. Uh so the, the the thing with that is 
the boot camps locally in the area, all of the graduates have node experience. So they've all made like a node express API made like a full stack node react app. Um, how do you like vet a node applicant per se? Normally I'll ask them some MPA, uh, MPM questions. Some of the things that they've actually put into their projects, the reasons why I'll ask them some basic stuff too. You know, have you ever used chalk? You know, something, something very simple just to see what level they're at. Um, and most of the time, if that, you know, if they can create a project using node and I like them and it's going to sound really bad, but sometimes if you're just a likable person on the phone, I want to kind of push you forward regardless of what your skill set is. So, you know, if you have node on your resume and you're just really, you're a really good communicator and you show that energy on the phone, I know this just by trade. Managers love that. They will, even if you don't have the skill set, they will teach you that because they know you're teachable and they know you're an effective communicator. They would rather have that. They would rather have you knowing Node at like 60, 70% than being a bad communicator and knowing Node at like 85, 90%. Interesting. Yeah, I asked uh, this question on on Twitter about, you know, somebody that is in the Orlando community said, hey, we're hiring, uh, we want a node engineer. I was like, cool, man, what do you actually look for in an applicant? And he came back with like threading and yep. caching and right. like, you got to know like uh, Redis and databases. And I was like, holy smokes, that's way over my head. Yeah. Um, like I can make a server, you know? <laughs> so, um, it, it's kind of curious to hear, like, maybe it's not so bad on the, on the flip side. Maybe, uh, maybe it's more approachable than I have, have thought after that initial impression. No, hundred percent. I'm going to agree with that. You know, it's, here's the thing when, when you hear the term node engineer, node.js engineer, um, sometimes there, sometimes, you know, threading all that's, that's more a little, that's more mid-level senior level. Um, that's going to be a little more than what you're taught at a boot camp, And you know what? That's fine for me. It's more, if a company tells me, Hey Mike, you know, find me somebody that uh, has a good personality that wants to learn, has less than a year experience. I'll take the chance. Um, but can really, and this is the one big key term that I hear from a lot of companies culture fit. Yeah. That is, that is the big one that I get. It's, Hey, like culture fits very big here, Mike, from, you know, NBC universal or, you know, from flex engage or, you know, Herc uh, rentals, or I'm just, I'll keep on spewing a few others, but Mike, we need a culture fit, culture fit, culture fit. And, you know, I've, and you would be shocked. I have seen, uh, I've seen boot campers uh, through our, um, through my other recruiter that he took a chance on and he got hired by Herc rentals. So, like I said, if the skill set is there and they can impress the hiring manager, they'll take a shot on you. Interesting. Yeah, there's a like I said, there's there's just so many node like. So the spectrum on that is like we talked about. There's Redis and like concurrent connections and caching and that whole madness uh, of like DevOps with Node. And on the flip side, there's like, oh, I ran npm and installed the how many pizzas package, <laughs> and I wrote one line and it told me if I have 50 people, I need 17 pizzas. Like I know Node, you know what I mean. So it's really hard to kind of nail down like what that skill set really looks like, at least in my mind. Because like I've done, you know, express servers and stuff and, and made full stack apps and I, I feel undergunned for some of those jobs. 
Yeah. But let me let so, you know what? Let me ask you this, Lee, because you say you're undergunned. How many how much experience do you have in general as a full stack? And let me let me tell you because I was just having this conversation uh with somebody in the uh in the Slack and it's about worth. And I want to make sure you guys understand your worth because a lot of guys, you know, and a lot of people that I speak to in Slack, they think that you have to have so many years when in reality, the second you're past that three-month mark, you can literally start changing up jobs and looking for different level or different level positions. So my experience with full stack apps, um, I've written maybe two or three uh, personal projects with like a full stack uh, node backend um, React or, or other front end. Um, and then a, a whole lot more front end stuff aside from that, that works with node because node is a big part of that build process or front end now. Yeah. Now, do you guys work for the same company or different, different areas or we used to, we, yeah, we used to work together, but now we work for different companies. So, so let's say you guys have more than six months experience working at a company, correct? Almost a year. Yes. Almost a year. Yeah. You guys will never have an issue finding a job ever again. It's good to know. <laughs> and add, yeah, and you, and you guys and you guys don't know that, and that's the, and the funny thing is, you know, it's past that six month mark. Usually, it's three to six. Once you're past that pl- plateau, that we call it the, in uh, recruiting world or hiring manager world, your probationary period. Once you are this. past that, yeah. you guys like you guys can literally start looking for other jobs at that point. And you know, if we could, obviously this would more be of a private conversation, but. If you want, you know, if you show me your resume, I will tell you exactly what you're worth and what you should be fighting for negotiation wise. I love and it. He's trying to recruit us. Even yeah. On the call. <laughs> <laughs> Have you no shape? No, I'm just we'll kidding. We'll talk after <laughs> this. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll talk in private later. No, um, <laughs> this guy, I have to do what I'm, you know, what I get paid for, guys. I apologize. No, no, that's completely fine. <laughs> So yeah, even with the even with the market absolutely inundated with JavaScript applicants, um, you think that we won't have trouble with uh, finding jobs at some point? No, not at all. Think about this. Think about all the you know. Think about the entry level positions. You have to have a year. You have to have six months. Those are the those are you already. Here's the thing. You already did your entry level. You broke in. Once you break in and you've proven yourself, you are golden. Uh, and I, I, and I thought to blow smoke, you're golden. You will ne- unless you do something crazy and you throw a chair at a, at a, one of your managers <laughs> in a job, um, you guys should never have an issue ever again, because whatever technology stack in the future comes out, all you're going to have to do is just keep up to date with the new technology and you guys will always find work. And you are at this point, you're proven, you know, the reason why the Orlando market doesn't take, it's not like California where. They don't take a lot of uh, they don't take a lot of chances on juniors in in Orlando. Out in California, they're just like, all right, whatever. We're gonna take a junior. We're gonna take like 15 juniors. Whoever makes it, you know. And that's why a lot of people try to start their career out there because it's a lot easier to find junior level positions. But Orlando, you have to be somewhat proven, and it it's shown its ugly face around here all a lot. Where that's why I say you broke into a hard market. You guys are solid. You guys can literally find any job on the market. You should, you should be aggressively applying. I, <laughs> I told when I was at UCF, I told um, my students this when I was working for uh, doing the um, counter recruiting, find a job and keep on looking for other jobs that can give you something better. Yeah. There's um this whole notion of like job hopping with developers. Yeah. Um, so like 
you know, six months here, three months there, uh, constant like poaching from company to company, you know, people that have experience, um, like senior devs from one company to another, oh, well, they're going to give me a, a 20 K bump or something and then jumping ship. Um, can you kind of maybe speak to pros and cons of that or kind of like how that looks from your angle or cause some people will say like, Oh, you shouldn't job hop or you should job hop. So be curious your opinion on that. So by, uh, so my experience with that and I, and this is going to sound bad, but even working at Harris, I, I was very good friends with a lot of the, my software team and some companies. And the reason why hopping job hopping occurs is because when you're, let's say you go into a position and you guys become software level twos and you know for a fact you're at that next level, you should be at that next level and your company doesn't have that level waiting for you. And it's not really fair for you to sit around and wait for them to have a job open a, two year, three, you know, a year or two down the road where it may not open. Um, it's also hindering your learning ability where you've done everything a level two can do at this point you need to go to a company that's going to give you more learning experience. And that's why I said you have to learn how to learn. You need to find a company that can not only use your skills, but teach you more to become a stronger developer because it hinders you. You should be, you should be paid what you're worth. And I don't, I really don't see it as a con in reality. I know a lot of people that do job hop in the software uh, area, but most of the time I would say about 75, 80% of it, it's because their company can't promote them within and or they're passed up on a management position or it's usually towards something like that. But usually if you're going to job hunt, uh, hop, uh, make sure it's to something either salary or it's going to be something more to uh, a company that you want to work for. Don't just job hop the job hop. Job hop for you know growth and learning ability and increase in salary to basically take care of your family, things like that. So do I think too many of cons no um just because if worse ever came to worse you can still get contracting jobs or you can go contract the perm so in reality um you're still getting experience you're still hireable so i don't really see too many cons to that actually okay um um i have a quick question about that um since you brought it up um contract to perm and i've seen like contract jobs and stuff like that uh, posted can you talk a little bit about that for someone that may be coming from an area where like out of a boot camp that may not be familiar with contract to perm and, and you know absolutely like absolutely so usually uh, a contract to permanent job usually starts to a three-month to six-month contract where you're going to be working within a production team and really the first first month you're going to be giving everybody coffee um you know you're going to be kind of walking around you're just going to be taking everybody, uh, uh, taking things in from, uh, you know, senior level developers, learning some of the basic necessities of what the production teams actually do. And then, you know, they're going to, you know, actually one of my, uh, one of the companies, one of my friends run, he doesn't even throw juniors onto his production team for the first year. They have to do PHP projects and prove that they can actually make it onto the production team. They're still well paid, but to be on his production team, they have to prove themselves. But I like the the way he does it. But if it's another case scenario, um, usually to hmm, production teams are only as good as what you're going to be taught at a junior level from you know for three to six months. So your senior 
level engineer, as well as your hiring manager, need to really set out a roadmap while you are at the current company to make sure that you're going to learn exactly what you need to learn. So if it's a failure on the actual candidate and that candidate's on everything, then it's on, it's on the company. And I've actually seen that happen. I don't want to give a scare anybody with that, but I've seen that happen multiple times, actually. There needs to be a roadmap and to be able to define um, what that person's going to be doing. And a lot of companies are horrible at it. Um, if, a, if someone does very well, which most of the time that's usually the case, after that contract period happens, whatever the contract amount uh, you usually sign on hourly, um, usually they'll convert the hourly into that uh, a salary or a base salary for you. And then you can start receiving your bonuses, uh, receiving all the, you know, the 401k, the health benefits, things like that. Okay. I've got uh, maybe two more uh, hardball recruiter questions for you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, first one would be like, if you're a junior, you have zero experience. You've already said, like, don't bother with recruiters um, to go ahead and email like hiring managers and stuff directly. Are there any other like hot tips or advice you have for breaking into the industry since that's like the, the critical moment? Yep. Um, so there are a lot of companies that take a lot of, ch- like for example, Disney, Disney takes chances, a lot of chances on juniors. And what I, what I would do is anybody that, you know, for a fact goes to meetups that works for these companies, try to befriend them. Um, the meetups are very important for juniors, not really more for the senior level, unless they know somebody that's you know, they're going for a management position or they're just part of the community. But at the junior level, um, being able to speak to the person uh, directly is usually, usually the best case in a scenario of, you know, not like where there's 250 people around, where it's a smaller, more, I would say, um, intimate event. It may be about 40 or 50 where you actually have their time, where you can actually pull out your computer, you can pull out your resume, speak with them. Um, but you have to do the research. Um, of it's it sounds bad, but you're basically stalking some of these people on LinkedIn to see what they're <laughs> what they're doing. You know, these are the people that are going to give you those jobs. So you know, it's and it kind of stinks because I know you know when it comes to a lot of developers, a lot of developers are introverted, but uh, there's a sales side to it and. They have to be able to sell themselves. You know, unfortunately, I know a lot of people that do computer science, they go into software engineering, so they don't have to do that. But, you know, to get jobs, you have to be able to sell yourself. And the best way to do it is do it in person. And if you're scared on that, it's fine. You know, that's fine. Just make sure that you're, you are, and I kid you not, you buy a LinkedIn recruiter series or even ask, you know, a lot of people on Slack, they're always willing to help. The one thing I've learned about developers in general is they are always willing to go the extra mile to help you out. And that is coming from a sincere uh, place just because any question I've ever had, um, I get immediate responses in a positive manner where it's just like, oh, wow, like I did not know that about five seconds ago and now I do. So, you know, use, use the Orlando Dev Slack. You speak with people, have the conversations in here while you have them. Um, these are the people, like, for example, Jacques Fu, he hires people. He has his own, you know, he's a CTO of uh, Fatter Merchant, you know, and there are a lot of people that are in the Slack that work for him. So reach out to those guys, you know, see what they do, what type of shop they run. Uh, you know, ask them, you know, can you buy them some coffee? Um, can you take them out to lunch? Something like that. 
Um, certain things that most developers aren't going to want to do, but that's the best way to sell yourself. If you can get somebody in person, do whatever you can to sell yourself at that point. What about uh, people that are career changers and have zero experience? Oh, like Should me? They... Like, like me? <laughs> well, you have like industry related experience. Let's say you've done nothing but like sell cows on a farm. Um, <laughs> do you include any of that on your resume or do you try and spin it to make it like developer related or just leave it off? Or what, what do you think about that? Always. What I, normally what I do is I whatever you worked up to a certain point, I don't like going past usually like a, like a 10 to 12 year mark. And I tell a lot of the, and unfortunately there are some age you know, biased uh, things like occur um, with companies and even in a rec- rec- with recruiters, I'll be honest, you know, sometimes we get very nervous just to submit older folks just because uh, we don't know if they're going to be a culture fit, but not really in at this case and my, you know, in my case, I don't care. For me, if somebody knows how to do, you know, C sharp for 15 years, I'm submitting them because that's 15 years that somebody else does not have. So, you know, for me, I don't care. But if for somebody that has no experience, you're going to have to spin your resume. You're going to have to spin um, what your resume. You're going to put a lot of most of your projects on there, but you also don't want to lie to your, um, you know, your future hiring manager. So you still want to list. Hey, like I worked here at this company for this amount of years, but you don't want to put anything of what you did there. You just want to basically let them know, hey, like this is what I did. This is now going to be my new career. And you have the projects lead you in. And actually you put your new work experience at the bottom because it's the least valuable information that an employer needs to know at that point. Interesting. So keep the experience on there, but just don't confuse anyone with the stuff that you're actually doing. Yeah. There's two ways to go at it. You, you know, some uh, employers, you can, you can take the information off, but um, a lot of employers don't like that just for the fact that they see that as a kind of way of like lying a little bit. And I try to explain to most of the employers and hiring managers that I work with, like 90 people lie on their resumes anyway. So, you know, kind of get used to that. (laughs) But um, no, I don't see it as a bad thing. I see it as, hey, like I have work experience. I'm not lazy. It's not like I'm just, you know, I'm at this age and now I'm just deciding to do, you know, get my life together. It's, hey, like I worked a company, Cal Farm. I was a cow herder from, you know, 20, you know, 2006 to 2017, 2018. And now I'm career changing. It's look, I've seen truckers. Um, they hear stories all the time. Truckers that have become um, uh, software devs. When it comes down to it, at the end of the day, uh, an employer is not going to care if you can get the job done. If you're if you're a you know a sheep herder or anything like that, but you know no JS, you know C sharp like the back of your hand, and you can you can be on a production team and you can contribute. They don't care what you were doing before. You are now a software developer on their team. Cool. Cool. Um, what about once you get a little bit of experience, then should you kind of leave all that stuff off? Yeah, at that point, and that's that leads into a good, uh, very good point. At that point, you're a, you're a developer. There's no reason to have that. They know what you're about at this point. Um, I would actually start also um, taking off some of the projects, maybe even take off all the projects at that point and whatever – you want to always elongate your first job of all those bullet points and what you did, mm-hmm. because at that point you're, you're especially this is actually perfect for you guys. You guys are a year in, 
uh, you're established now. Uh, whatever projects you had, um, you can show them just to, you can leave them on there just to show that, hey, like I do, you know, side work as well, or I still do fun projects. But after, like you guys are a year in, you guys are established. At that point, I want to know exactly what you did at your job, what, how, what you contributed to. Um, you know, did, were there different projects that you were thrown on? Um, did you do anything that saved the, especially, and this is for monetary purposes, if there is anything that ever saves money on a project, that has to be the first bullet point on any resume because anything with saving money that will catch not only a recruiting uh, manager or recruiting uh, person's eye, but a manager's eye as well, because you understand that companies are working on marginal money. Mm-hmm. Or maybe anything that you did that increased profits or something like that. C- correct. Okay. Okay. What about advice for like, let's say you get a little bit of experience now you're starting to get recruiters contacting you on LinkedIn. Uh, how do you handle that? Or is there any advice for like, I should talk to this one or I should talk to this one? Or how do you select like who to, you know, spend your time on? Lee, that is called the dream right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you know you've made it, guys. <laughs> well, I sometimes uh, get postings. It's like, hey, Lee, I see that you have React experience. I, I have a Java position for you. And I'm like, oh, I get on. that all the time. <laughs> No, and in reality, um, good recruiters actually look at what you've actually done. And this is why I always say make sure your LinkedIn is always up to date uh, with everything that you, you know, a LinkedIn should not be an exact replica of your resume. You kind of want to make sure your LinkedIn gives the bullet points of what technologies you're using. So it makes sense for like for a person like me. Hey, you know, Lee, you've done, you know, Java, you've done, you know, uh, you've done React. Um, You know, can we have the conversation to see, you know, for me, it's. I, I never present a job first because what's going to happen is I'm going to present you a job and you're going to look at it like I do I do nothing of this and you're going to think I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Good recruiters say, hey, I you know I see on your resume and I see on your LinkedIn you have you know you have some React experience, you have some JavaScript, you have some Node back, whatever it is. Hey, you know uh, I have a I have a job. I just want to have the conversation to see if you're going to be the right fit. That should be that is always a good sign. You should be speaking to that person if they throw the job at you first. Um, that should throw up red flags because in reality, they probably just saw, they could have done a keyword uh, analysis on a resume and they could have done that for, um, LinkedIn in general, and they can pull up a ton and a ton of different LinkedIn profiles. And that's what they're going off of. And that's a, I mean, that's a big no, no in my book. If I ever saw any of my team doing that, I would have a a a very, very long talk with them. So the, uh, the typical, Hey, we've got an exciting opportunity for you for a rock star Java developer, blah, blah, blah. Low effort post is just like, don't even bother is what I you're went, saying. I, I wouldn't bother with that. You, usually, because usually, yeah, usually when I write to them, I, I specifically go through, I'm like, Hey, like you have, uh, you have two years in this, you have, you know, a year in this. I actually want to ask you a question on like, for example, like Magento on PHP, like, uh, you say you have Magento. I may have a position. I don't know how many years you have. I want to have that conversation with you if you are up for it. If you're up for it, let me know. Um, but I'm very specific that I've looked through your information and that you may be a good fit. I can't say that you're 100% going to be a good fit because I don't know the actual skill set. So for me, that's why the conversation needs to occur. So definitely keep your LinkedIn up to date with kind of your current skills and what you're doing. 
Absolutely. And, you know, if you if you ever get those random, you know, super duper, you know, full stack job and things like that, stay away from them. Um, <laughs> in, in reality, congratulations, you just made their keyword analysis search. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the last one that I've got um, on here is, have you ever heard of Triple Byte? Triple Byte. So it's a like Silicon Valley service where as a developer, you can go in and take their test and their uh, interview. And then if you pass, they'll go out and make on-site interviews for you. Um, curious if you've ever heard of anything like that or have any knowledge of that. No, but uh, that, I mean, that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I might, I might have to sign up for that. I mean, that's the only thing that I've seen close to that. Um, I think we're, I think I was talking about it with a few other people uh, in Slack was more on the, it was a large hiring event for juniors, but we, then it led to that you had to do it for a two-year contract. Um, and basically you had to, you know, only make a certain amount of money if your skill set was there. But I've never, um, no, besides Triple Byte, I've never heard of any uh, type of company doing that before. And to tell you the truth, that's actually real. that's awesome. Yeah, it's, um, I think you can, you get like one shot at it. And then if you pass it, you know, they start scheduling interviews. But if you fail it, you get like three or six months before you can take it again or, or something like that. That's it. That's very interesting. I know um, a lot of because um, I, lo- I looked at boot camps a while ago. I looked at Full Stack Academy back at home in New York City. Uh, they had something very similar to that where I actually took a, originally took the coding test. And I think I got I think three out of the six questions. And then the. Uh, they spoke to me on the phone and they said, ah, you may want to come back in like three to six, probably three months. <laughs> and I sat there. I'm like, yeah, no, no, you know, no worries. I already, I already know for a fact I can't code right now. This is about, you know, nine, 10 months ago where I was just starting. So for me, it's more now if I, you know, took a few coding tests, um, probably do better now, but no, that sounds very similar to a lot of like those, those uh, the boot camps that I've seen uh, up in New York city, um, that really kind of do the three to six month. You can't do that until you've proven yourself again, but still it's, it's still a good service because as long as it's going to get somebody placed at the end of the day, you know, I try to help out like, and this is where I hope it pays for, you know, pay it forward. You know, I try to help out people um, get a job. Hopefully when I make that transition, you know, it, someone is going to do that for me. So for me, it's most of the time, I don't really care for the money. If, if I can get someone their first job, to me, I, which I did the other, um, that was actually my first placement with Modus. I got a girl at NBC Universal, her first job, and she was going crazy. And, you know, it, those are the stories that I actually like helping because, you know, she didn't, in reality, she only had about, crap, maybe two, three months experience, but she killed it on her coding interview. She killed it in front of the, the hiring manager and they hired her. So, you know, for me, it's more, I try to help out where I can, and then, you know, I kind of go by, you know, hopefully someone pays it forward uh, eventually down the road. So to that point, um, if you're working with juniors, like obviously they get a lower salary. Somebody had told me at some point that recruiters get like a commission based on the the signing salary of the person they're getting hired. Is that true or how does that work? Oh, that's 100% true. Actually, you know what? Let me let me break that all down for everybody. And hold <laughs> on. Let me, let me bump, the, bump the mic here. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Let me clear out the voice. So whatever a recruiter gives you, and I'm giving out all my secrets here, whatever a recruiter gives you on price, know that we are literally giving you the lowest of price that, you know, that's on the scale. 
So basically, if it's like between, if let's say I'm giving you a price range of like, I'm giving you a offer at like seventy thousand. There's probably around fifteen to twenty thousand that is still in play. Oh wow! So that so that's why I say always negotiate hard, negotiate your worth. Reason being, and this is also a mental aspect to it. If you just accept at seventy thousand, they're gonna think, well, maybe this person doesn't believe in their skill set. Where it's like when you start fighting back and you start giving the negotiation, the mindset to that hiring manager is like, all right, let, we're going to meet in the middle because this person obviously thinks their skill set is that good, and we've gone through the interview process, and we know he's that good. So if they're giving you an offer, and they know you're that good, why would you not? Well, it's just like, why would you not? You have nothing to lose at that point. They already want you. It's now they have to pay for you. And you know, as I've seen some hiring managers get really, really annoyed. It's like, why does this person want like, you know, another 15,000? I'm like, because you told them that they're good and they, <laughs> and they know and they know their worth now. You told, so it's kind of, you know, it's almost like the Achilles heel. You, when you say you're giving an offer, you've shown that entire company, that team that you're good, negotiate it, you know, negotiate it like that. So if a recruiter gives you something low, you bet always, 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 I'm going to say it one more time. Always hit them back with a counter and hit them back with a counter about usually 15,000 more. Try to meet in the middle somewhere, 20,000, meet in the middle somewhere, get what you earn, get what you deserve. It's just, it, these are just tidbits, uh, tricks from recruiting. Um, we're going to try to hit you as low as we can. And in reality, we'd want to hit you as high as we can because we get a higher commission out of it. But we most of the time won't get that, um, that yes. Okay. From the hiring manager. But if you give a fight back, then we automatically get that from the hiring manager. Like, uh, but there they're fighting back and you really like this person. And then we start, um, we start, we're more on the developer side at that point where it's like, well, they're saying they want this and they passed your test and you said they liked you liked them. So at that point it becomes a relationship between recruiter and uh, software developer. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like it's a little bit more nuanced than, you know, I had originally thought. Um, and then I guess at that point, like the company's spent a bunch of time and money on like vetting you. So they're kind of pot committed, I would say at that point. Right. Awesome. Uh, Eddie, you got any, any other uh, burning questions? I have one more. Um, so in another episode, we had someone um, on that uh, had just got a job and whatnot. He gave us some tips. Um, one of them was uh, doing a talk at a meetup and stuff like that. Is that something you guys look at? What do you what could you go into a little more detail with that? Um, he he did a talk at a meetup, and I, I think it. Do you remember Lee? Um, I think it it got onto like LinkedIn or it was recorded so, or something like that. Yeah, he um he gave a talk at a meetup and it was recorded and he posted the recording to like LinkedIn and Twitter and Slack and all kinds of stuff. And uh, eventually it ended up getting some feedback from like LinkedIn. They were like, Oh yeah. Um, we know you, you're all over social media. I, I was just curious if any of that actually helps or is something you guys are aware of or recruiters look at. So basically d developing your own brand. Yeah. Something like kinda, that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. hundred percent. That yeah. and I'm gonna I'll, I'll give you the reasons why we look at that because, okay. again, this goes back to what I was uh, saying before. This shows passion and what you're doing. Um, for us, if you're developing your own brand and you're creating your own brand and you're selling your own brand, uh, you're not just selling it to yourself. You're selling it to the people that want to watch. Like for example, you guys have a podcast, 
and I listen. I listen to every single one of them. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, for 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 me, it's you know, it's you're you're well known. It gets your name out there, and that's how your name is going to continue to grow. Once you continue to build out your brand, like everybody knows Lee. Like when Lee writes in a channel, when you guys write in a channel, we all know. It's like, ah, and what's he going to say today? You know, it's. <laughs> But Blowing it, smoke it, really hard right now. Yeah. Well, 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 that's the thing. Like, here's the thing. We like you have it. The, here, it, there's a difference in positive and negative reputation. Where you have a positive reputation, so I can guarantee if you were to talk to anybody within the Slack about jobs or anything like that, or Eddie, same thing with you. A year down, you know, a year, you guys can probably. It's like, oh, like I didn't. You, I want to have that conversation of your worth because uh, you guys have your own brand. We know who you are, and you know, there's a good amount of people in Orlando that, you know, know what you guys do because you're, you're consistent. And that's a, another big word. Um, you're consistent in what you do. If it was something like, I'm going to make a podcast every other, like two or three months, then that's all right. If you're going to create your YouTube channel, something like that, and you're not consistent with it, but you guys are consistently doing it. This shows, it just shows the passion more. And it's more firepower and ammunition during an interview. It's like, Hey, what's this on your uh, resume about a podcast? Oh, you know, I try to help out juniors uh, and seniors. Trying to, and they're going to be like, holy shit, like this guy is actually, these guys are great. <laughs> <laughs> like, so we see that as a very positive light because you're bringing something out that's clickable. And I say clickable because we're lazy recruiters, but it's <laughs> not your GitHub. It's not your portfolio. It's your own brand. And you're giving us something else to look at. 100%. Oh, so. Cool. Uh, that wasn't our intention when we started the podcast. But it's, it's good to hear. Good to hear. Um, and I don't, I don't know if I would recommend it to everybody out there. Like, don't go out and start, start a your podcast to get hired. But uh, maybe you could try and get interviewed on one, or try and go speak at a meetup, or you know any of those kind of things. Uh, especially if they're recording and can put it on YouTube or something. So yeah, uh, anything to raise your own visibility in a in a positive light. Yeah, I mean, I you know I had a conversation with Jacques, um, and he told he told me he's just like you know um, try to help out people in here with resume uh, interview skills uh, in the Slack, and I think it's because you know a lot of the juniors don't know how to create resumes properly, and I also talked to uh, Carlos uh, Souza, um, and I'm going to be speaking September 12th at the regular meetup downtown where, you know, it's not just for the podcast. I want every you know anyone that I can help. And break into the, you know, into the uh, dev environment. To me, even if it's even if it's something like an internship, that's a small win. That's a win for me that I help somebody. So for me, it's I don't mind giving out these little dirty secrets of recruiting because in reality, um, it prepares you and everybody else in, you know, that's going through this uh, to make their next steps and how to approach their next steps. Because some of them, you know, some of these, uh, you know, what Lee, Eddie, you know. What's go, what are the next uh, set of boot campers going to be like? Are they going to be confident? Do they, are they going to know how to hit these job markets? And for the, for the time being, probably not. Right now, they're learning how to become software developers. And maybe after that, they're going to be like, all right, I have this skill set now. How do I sell it? And that's where I feel that you know, if I, if I continue to go to the meetups and speak about just how to approach it, it helps these devs get their foot in the door. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Um, Eddie, you got anything else? Uh, no, I think I'm good. 
Cool. Uh, so at the end of the show, we usually do a little segment called Nerd Minute, where we just kind of talk about video games or books or movies or comic books or whatever. Uh, so, Mike, you're the guest. Um, what do you got? Anything you're into lately? Oh, man. Um, so besides, you know, going to work, being my, you know, being a vampire as a recruiter. <laughs> um, yeah. How do you uh, get time to game when you have to hide from the sunlight? Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, a, it's a very tricky schedule. Lee. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, besides, you know, I come home, uh, I code for a minimum an hour, hour and a half. And then I started actually getting back into the, uh, the, the Final Fantasy series, not seven going. I'm going back to Super Nintendo two and three, which would equate to five and six. I'm going old oh, school. Okay, cool. okay. Uh, you know, Cecil, Kane. Um, Lock. Yes. Oh, man. Um, you got it's. Final Fantasy is one of those things that me and my brother used to nerd out growing up. And actually, uh, funny story, it's uh, originally my brother wanted to, he went to MIT, got into MIT, but he originally wanted to go for game design as a software developer, but um, realized that he wanted to do a little more with it. But uh, I think video games, and it's interesting, usually a lot of software developers uh, nowadays uh, come from a gaming, uh, video gaming uh, background, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but you know, for me, Final Fantasy was just always something—a uh, game that I really enjoyed. I love the uh, series. I think up to like maybe about ten, maybe ten, and then uh, the storyline started getting a little, a uh, little different, a little weird. But I'm starting all over. I'm going from Final Fantasy two, and I'm going to see how many uh, Final Fantasies I can clear by Christmas. Oh, Sweet. Wow. So uh, you're on, I guess, the Japanese number five. I guess. Yes, exactly what I'm at. So uh, how's that going so far? Not so good, man. Not so good. <laughs> maybe about maybe about two hours in so far. I just you know for me it's, it's finding the uh, the time. But uh, usually I try to game as much as I can during the weekends. Um, you know I'm that on, one. Uh, that one's the first one with a switchable job system. So there's a little double entendre in there for you. Yes. <laughs> yes. The career changing Final Fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even think of that one, did you? You're welcome. Oh, no, not, well, now we have to create it. <laughs> That's but, funny. Yeah. What do you? I, I definitely agree about um, the game design thing. I, I had a student that he used to code for Roblox, and that kid could code anything. Well, I mean, it's. I don't know if it was for me, uh, you know, for me coming out when I started playing Final Fantasy, any game uh, for that matter, it, it didn't lead me down the engineering route for some reason. I don't know how, because it caught my brother immediately. And, you know, he tried to sell me on it. And, you know, like, like just like I said at the beginning of the uh, the podcast, I was such a brat. I never gave it, a, gave it a shot because I was, you know, I'm a pretty good natural speaker. And that was always my uh, go-to where now, you know, I wrote... Um, a few functions about you know nine ten months ago and became immediately addicted and um pretty much i have uh not turned my back and um, i've been literally coding every single day since then so you know of course the first thing i built was some type of video game and i mm -hmm. went with tetris you know i wanted to do something definitely video game specific um I was trying to think of like Dig Dug or something like that, but you know, try to keep it easy for the time being, just because. I'm Showing not... your age. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I love Dig Dug. I'll just throw that out there. Uh, <laughs> I'm going gray myself. <laughs> what are you playing uh, all the Final Fantasies on? 
Um, some of them are on. I'm playing them on Steam, oh, and then okay. the others I have um, a few. Old, I have a few old school systems in in, in my room here, you know, and uh, at my place. So, you know, I have the uh, what's it called? I have the emulator for uh, Nintendo and a uh, for Super Nintendo on my TV uh, in the living room. So uh, whatever I can. I mean, uh, the other actually the other day uh, I, I played Contra. Oh. and uh oh that brought that brought back some great memories they just released like an anniversary thing where like i don't even know how many different versions of contra um that that seems pretty cool i was thinking about getting that and playing with my daughter did you ever play let me ask you this you know for especially for with contra and the contra series i know they started coming out with um more um 3d uh three-dimensional contra what what you know I was really big into the 2D Contra. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what did you guys think about when Contra tried to do that? I, I don't uh, even know what that is because, like, I think there was like <laughs> a there was like a two and a half D or something. Was there? Right. Yeah. That's kind of like the there's 3D models, but you're still only playing in a 2D plane. Or yeah. maybe I'm just imagining that. No, you are not. I, I think that was actually the next version for, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Super Nintendo or even PlayStation, where. I was so confused. Yeah. I uh I had Contra on a Game Boy and I could never beat the first level. That is on so that anniversary hard. edition I just talked about. Yeah, it's, it's that game is impossible. Yeah. So I, I've never <laughs> seen that. I was watching a video of someone playing through like the, the anniversary edition and like I, I've never seen the, the Game Boy version. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I've I've held and owned a uh, original Game Boy, so that's that's how old I so, am. Me too, me too. <laughs> I mostly played Tetris old man. on it's it. Old yeah. man show. <laughs> uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna plead the fifth and say no comment to that. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny, uh, Eddie. You got anything? Uh, I don't think I have anything for this one. All I have is that I also seen like uh, what's the name? Alita, Battle Angel. So okay. you brought that up uh, last episode um and was, how'd you feel about it, it? did you it like was it was awesome it was better than awesome. the anime which is you know really rare. yeah yeah I, I thought the same i thought it was uh it was fire as the kids say <laughs> yes <laughs> the anime is free on on like uh, youtube if you just do a search you can find it it's like two episodes and it's basically the movie but they go through the story so fast and uh, the the movie does a much better job of like telling the story of Alita, and they add some stuff to it, which is uh, pretty cool. Um, the story is a lot better. Yeah the uh, the actor from Inglorious Bastards, the, yeah, uh, awesome. the evil Nazi guy, and he's been in a, a lot of Tarantino movies at this yeah, point. I don't know his name, but he's a really good actor. He's in uh, Alita as the uh, the the scientist um, that puts her back together. So. Um, he did an excellent job. The rest of the cast really sold it. Um, lots of great action. The story is amazing. Uh, you really feel for the characters. So, uh, really recommend that. They one. did a really good job awesome. with the uh, with her Alita and just uh, the facial animation and everything. It's all really done really well. Yeah, hundred percent. Kind of, it kind of remind that kind of reminded me when you know when Avatar came out for the first time and all the the animation to that yeah, was absolutely. It was beautiful. James Cameron's like team, I guess. So he's in. Yeah, he's involved he's with involved, the little. Yeah. Yep. It, it looked it looks very similar, and that's the first thing that popped into my mind. I sat there, I'm like, this looks very similar to, yeah, Avatar to me is one of the 
best designed. It's it's absolutely beautiful from a uh, from a background standpoint. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. I actually saw the uh, the Disney exhibit a little while back. I was pretty impressed with that. It was uh, insane. They've got like floating islands and stuff in the park. Oh, that's cool. No, I have a question for you guys, and because I just found out about this uh, a few days ago, and I don't know if it's because I'm old or uh, <laughs> I got excited, but um, Top Gun Maverick 2020. What do you guys think? <laughs> I saw the trailer today. Uh, I'm excited. Um, there was a goose uh, brief mention in it. So I, I said today on uh, the work slack that I'm in, um, somebody posted like, hey, the Top Gun trailer's out. I was like, if there's not a scene in that movie with Tom Cruise, like looking wistfully at a picture of him and goose on his desk <laughs> or something and like getting weepy. Uh, I'll be sorely disappointed. So I guess for me, I was never a big top gun guy. I played the game on Nintendo, a bunch, uh, but what? yeah, but no. yeah, uh, I just heard that this, have you ever landed the plane? No. I was just about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> me neither. I used to play that all the time. And uh, I absolutely 100% crashed yeah. every time. Every single time. It's just like, move left, move right. I'm like, I'm moving left, I'm moving right. And it's like, ah, sorry, you're short and you crash. <laughs> I'm like, how do you beat this game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh, that game, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to look up on uh, YouTube and see if I can get like Angry Video Game <laughs> Nerd uh, playing Top Gun <laughs> so I can just see him curse that thing. But uh, I absolutely loved that game and like the missions and stuff. Well, the one mission but I uh, never was able to land the stupid plane on the aircraft carrier. Cool. Well, uh, we're, we're kind of running long, so I'll just uh, thank you, Mike, yeah, for coming on the show. Um, if there's any uh, contact information you want to kind of drop right at the end here that people can reach out and contact you at. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can always reach out to me via email, uh, Michael period Torres at modus.com. If you're looking, you know, if you're a junior and you're looking, let me know in the subject line. Um, I always take a look at resumes. Don't really care what the skill level is because I want to have the conversation. And if you don't, you know, if you somehow mess up on my email, I'm in the Orlando uh, ODEV Slack. Uh, Michael Torres, shoot me a, a message, say hi, introduce yourself. If you just need help on resumes, things like that, happy to help anybody out. And then you're speaking at a, a local meetup. Uh, what that was the 12th of September. The 12th, yeah, with Carl uh, with Carlos. And where is that going to be? Actually, I'm not too sure. He does. He. I asked him because he asked me a long time ago to um, to do that to do a meetup, and I was unavailable. Um, I'm on. A, I'm on the uh, UC, the UCF uh, board of directors for their athletic program, and they make me do a lot of stuff for their donor program, which I'm always running around kind of with my head twisting. Um, but let me make sure it is. I think it's at the usual spot. Um, so we'll. We'll find out and we'll post it to the uh, the show notes and on Slack and all that good stuff. Yeah, because so. I'm, I'm on Meetup. That I don't I don't see it right now, but yes, the event is 100 percent uh, September 12th because I just had the conversation with them and it's on a Thursday night. All right, cool. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. Thank you. No, th- thank you for having me, guys. And again, anytime you guys need any advice, any help, just let me know. We'll do. All right, fantastic. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Tech Gene. Head on over to our site at techjr.dev for show notes and past episodes. While you're there, click subscribe to get updates on the show. We've also got an email address up on the site. Uh, if you click on about, 
and that email address is techjrpodcast at gmail.com. Send us an email, ask us a question, uh, ask us to interview you, uh, any of those things. Tell us how much you like the show, and uh, we will get back to you. You can also follow us on Twitter. The show's handle is techjrpodcast. Mine is at Jr. and Eddie's is at ed0ter0. Join us next week. We've got a awesome interview with Gil Tyar, who is a developer for, uh, I believe, Applet Tools over in Israel. So he knows a lot about testing and testing front-end apps and back-end apps. And we get into how to test Node, how to write Node microservices. So I really think you'll enjoy that one. So join us next week on Wednesday. All right, that's all for me. You guys take care out there.